It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of... The podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences... And similarities between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo UK. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo UK. And I'm Victoria Valazir, Data Journalist at YouGov. This week, we are discussing statistics around the theme of money. What are Britons willing to spend the most money on? How much should the tooth fairy be paid? And where would you go if you needed money for a loan? And we're joined by our special guest, Simon Reid, the former personal finance editor of The Independent newspaper, presenter on BBC One's Right on the Money and Moneywise's Fight for Your Rights columnist. Hello, Simon. Uh, good, uh, good day to you. Thank you for that introduction. That seems to, to cover almost everything I do. <laughs> and ardent Chelsea fan then, should we add that one in? Well? <laughs> it might put some people off. <laughs> Great. So to kick off, we were going to start with the question of where you would go if you needed a substantial sum of money. So we'll go around the room first. If you needed a substantial loan, would you be more likely to go to a family member, a friend or a bank? I have done both mum and dad and bank Okay. Uh, and would never do a friend. Like right. for anything more than 20 quid, 10 quid, 20 quid, I'd never go to a friend, I don't think. Okay. Matilda? Um, I think I'm similar. I think my first port of call would probably be family, uh, just because probably when you're lending, when your family are lending you money, they're not going to charge you interest, so it might be a bit cheaper <laughs> than bank. But similarly to Stuart, I don't think I would ever borrow a lot of money from a friend because I just think you can ruin a friendship you know a few drinks here and there but nothing more substantial okay simon i've um always uh, gone through traditional routes for borrowing money so uh, a bank or uh, you know often uh, in the past i've used credit cards and and other things i would never go to a family i would never go to a friend because putting money in that relationship creates all sorts of problems and it's not just about the money it can damage uh, and break up families. Uh, mm. It can ruin friendships. Uh, you know, it, it 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 does happen, and it can be a suitable way to go. But I, I've luckily enough never been forced to do it, and I would n- hope to never do it. Right. Okay. And do you feel that? So, uh, quite a few people, when we've been speaking about family or friends, have spoken a little bit about the kind of strain that that can put on the relationship. Why? Why are we so reluctant to borrow from friends? And why is it also, I think, so Simon, you say you'd never go to family or friends. Do you think they'd be offended if, if they knew actually that you were in a bit of trouble and needed some help and you didn't turn to them or would? No, it's not that, that embarrassment. I'd be quite happy to say, look, I'm, I'm, I need some money for whatever purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know that your, 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 your parents, your, your family, they would love to help you. But, uh, you know, that, that money given uh, out of goodwill, if you like, if it's not set on some kind of... Uh, formal basis, there always comes to the question of, well, when are you paying it back? Mm-hmm. And, you know, friends and family will say, look, pay it, pay it back when you can. Don't, don't worry about interest, just, just when you can. 
what actually happens in reality is that six months down the line or a year down the line, the people who've lent the money think, well, he's never said anything about it. When's he going to pay it back? <laughs> you know, I, I, it wasn't a gift. Uh, it, it was it was a loan. So I would say to anyone who's thinking of doing this that they do have some kind of formal payback thing. And it may be uh, that, listen, I don't need it for two years. So as long as you give me the money back by then, that's fine. I would, I would also think about some kind of interest, you yeah. know, because... You know, if I've if I've got say five thousand pounds in in a, in a in a in a savings account, right? I'm not earning a lot at the moment, but I'd still earn some money on it. Now, if I if I lend it to a friend or or, or a family member, I'm losing out on interest. You know, so I, I, it, it helps keep it on a formal basis, and it just keeps everything quite clear. Mm. You know, if it's going to be a gift, that's fine. You know, and and. Family members in particular, if they happen to have some spare little nest egg, they will want to help you out and say, look, here's £1,000, here's £10,000, whatever you need, have it. I don't need it. But if it's going to be a loan, they might need the money uh, for some other purpose, uh, which we normally, normally we're saving for something, even if it's just for a rainy day. So if that, if you, if that money's coming out of their account, they want to know when it's coming back and, and how it's coming back. You know, so the, the, the best thing I, I would say, and to keep everything quite happy and clear, is, is to have some repayment plan. Right, I will pay you back £100 a month, whatever it is you can afford, and we will, we will add a bit of interest on top, just, you know, a nominal £50 or something, to keep it, keep it just clear what is actually going on. Yeah. Well, how, why do you feel that there's such a strong reluctance towards borrowing from friends? That's that, that felt like a very personal not, thing. It's not just borrowing, actually. Like, even if you sort of get a friend round to do some either work on your house and, and you actually pay them like you, you're not even sure if you're if you're paying them the going rate it might be say like more than you were hoping it, it from their point of view it might be less than they were hoping but you just don't <laughs> know there's happy. this kind of because it's awkward yeah it's, it's always awkward talking around the subject and yeah. and I feel like our relationship with money is quite uh, unhealthy probably and we don't really like to talk about it that openly mm. and therefore any like even a transaction with friends like an actual can you do this service yes here's some money even that can be like when do we pay them do we pay them at the end do we like we know they're gonna it's, it can be really awkward yeah. even though no one's talking about it <laughs> well, there's this principle called mates rates mm. that all sort of people do whether it's you know they have an apartment or they do some work for you and and, and you know let's have mates rates all that happens is that the person who's given the mates rates, it might be uh, somebody who does some work on your home, for instance, mm -hmm. they will resent after working on your home for three or four weeks, you know, they've lost out on potentially hundreds of pounds, depending on how low the mates rates they've given you. Mm. So you shouldn't do any favours. Just keep things, this is the going rate. This is what I charge. If, if you don't want to pay me that, then, then get someone else. And if something <laughs> goes wrong... Mm. Then you awkward. can't. Then it's even more awkward to phone up and go, "Hey, um, <laughs> Listen, this is awkward." Buddy. So you get someone else to come in, and it's even, even worse, <laughs> even more. So yeah, well, what's what's Britain's? Yeah, so it sounds take? like the opinions in the room are fairly representative of the nation. Okay, we have one in six Brits who would go to a family member if they needed a substantial loan. Just one in a hundred would go to a friend. The vast majority, over six in ten, so sixty-four percent, say they would go to a bank first. There's definitely a big age break here. So younger people predictably much more likely to go to family. Uh, a third of 18 to 24 year olds say they would and just a, over a quarter of 25 to 34 year olds. And even among 35 to 44, so people in their mid 30s, mid 40s, there's still a fifth who say they would go to a family member first. 
older generations are by far the least likely to consider a family member and the most likely to go to a bank. There's also quite an interesting class difference here where people who are classed as ABC1, which roughly means middle upper class, are slightly more likely to say that they would go to a bank, while people classed as C2DE, which is more working class, are more likely to say that they just don't know. Okay. I wonder if the friends and family thing as well it's something to do with you feel like the person who's lent you the money then has a bit of ownership over it. Mm. So I think if I lent a substantial amount of money to a friend, I don't think I would, to be honest, and then (laughs) they said, oh, I'll pay you back when I can, I think you wouldn't be able to help but notice what they were spending their money on. (laughs) So if they were then going out and, you know, by exactly (laughs) getting around in, splashing out on something expensive, then I think you would really resent it. It, That really happens all the time. I mean, you turn up and you've got a lovely new pair of shoes Mm -hmm. and a person who's lent you the money thinks, well, I lent you the money to pay for your (laughs) home improvements or or, or to pay off this bill. Mm -hmm. And you you, you spent hundreds of pounds on new clothes or, or as you say, you know, champagne, lavish lifestyle. And it's that... um, that really does ruin a friendship, you know, mm. unless you actually talk openly about it. You know, and quite often when people are in debt, actually they need to have some rewards anyway. So if, if they borrow a few thousand pounds off a, off, off a friend or a family member or indeed the bank, they should, and I would say, treat yourself a bit. Go and get those shoes or something mm. because it helps them get out of that, you know, depression that debt can cause. Oh, uh, Is this like a British thing? I don't really know. Are other countries as weird around money as we are? Or? In, in the States, they're much more clued in about, you know, they, they, they're much more honest about how much I earn, yeah. how many savings I've got, the fact that I need to have savings. They're much more highly educated about the whole financial thing. Here we are very much tight-lipped about it. I mean, I tend to ask most people I meet, how much do you earn? And probably only one in ten well, tell me. I'd recoil if you, I, don't, yeah. I don't think anyone <laughs> apart from my family knows how much I earn. I don't my boss, Stuart. But why? <laughs> yes. So well, my, my family don't even know how much I earn. I don't think even my wife really knows. Like, she forgets. Really? <laughs> I've told her, but, like, it's not something we particularly okay. talk so about. How much do you earn, Stuart? I earn enough. <laughs> oh, my God. But less. He's I'm squirming. Not, I'm not <laughs> but, I might, but my reaction, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, palpitating at the but thought. But so what, like, why? People. Why is this so, or why can't you tell people? I, because because no one else knows, right? So, like, it's in Finland or Sweden where it's, it's on a public database, full transparency, right? Mm, yeah. It's full transparency, so it doesn't matter. So there's full accountability. And I don't think I should have to say because it's not my problem that our society is so messed up. So I'm going to keep mine. You want to be the pioneer of <laughs> salary I don't want to be a pioneer of anything. <laughs> I think I think it would improve things if we all knew what, not necessarily to the exact pound and and pence, but we had a rough idea because you know you you, you have friends who are in different industries and you might presume they're earning a, a fortune, yeah, and they may not be, and you, you know the misplaced jealousy or, or other people who you think are doing well and they're not. You know, if if we knew, it would help our understanding, you know, of money and how how what we can do with it, how we can handle it. You know, I, I, I know, for instance, I have friends whose jobs take them all around the world. So because I have a sort of jet-setting lifestyle, I presume they've got loads and loads of money. They may not earn that much. But, you know, when we go down the pub and, I, and I'm getting the round in, uh, I think, well, you should get the round in. You've got all the, all, the, all the money in your pocket. It always comes back to rounds, doesn't it? It's so weird. <laughs> so it's so weird. Because I was going to say earlier that I, like my dad's view is kind of like, it's going to be your money anyway. You might as well have it now. Uh, and it's kind of like a morbid, positive way of looking at the world at the same mm, time. Interesting. And that's my, kind of my view with buying rounds as well. Like, I don't really mind. It all works itself out in the end anyway, Hopefully. although it possibly doesn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, um, it does come back to, always comes back to booze, doesn't it? <laughs> Weird. Weird. 
So what I'd like to talk about is the tooth fairy. So if you're listening with young children, maybe turn it down a little bit now. So my first question to you guys is, how much do you think is a fair amount for the tooth fairy to pay up? Well, with my children, they're, they're, they're a little bit older now, but when they were younger, we used to just put a straight pound Solid under pound. the pillow. Solid yes. pound. I used to get a pound when I was a pound. kid as well. So did I, which means we're probably winning out, right? Because yeah. a pound is worth less now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Apart from when I once, my tooth fell out on Christmas Eve, so on Christmas morning, I got five pounds. Five Whoa. pounds. Yeah. How old are you? I don't know. <laughs> you still, that's interesting. But I do remember that. It's interesting that you remember that. Yeah, I've got that a really, was such a treat. <laughs> I've got a really strong memory of my mum going up to Scotland to visit my granny one day winter or sometime and her coming into my bedroom when I was asleep because she had to leave for a really early flight and her kind of waking me up and going your pocket money's gone up to 20p and I was so excited <laughs> and I can remember that so distinctively um well according to YouGov uh the average amount that the <clears throat> tooth fairy uh pays for a tooth is 88p uh, which is a kind of okay, I think. It's a, I thought it would be a bit closer to a pound. Uh, 5% of people would leave a penny, <laughs> which is, I guess they're doing that as like a nominal sum type thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 9% <laughs> would leave 10p or less, which means like nearly one in six are doing 10p or less. Uh, 22% would leave 50p, 41% would leave a pound, and 5% of people would value each tooth at two pounds, which seems a lot of money Ooh. to me. Um, as an aside, uh, Scots are the most generous. <laughs> wow, uh, interesting. And Scots we always guess, come off well in Yukon. Can we guess who the stingiest is? Uh, London. Of course it's London. Oh. <laughs> I grew uh, up in London, I got a pound. So. 37% of Londoners trend. would only give one pound. So I thought, so we all know like the tooth fairy, right? And I feel like it's intrinsic part of our kind of embedded in our country, uh, embedded in our culture and how we bring up our children. But I had absolutely, I thought about it, I have no idea where the tooth fairy comes from. Does anyone know? Mm. No, not at all. It's like we all know Father Christmas, right? There's like a million stories around Father Christmas and yeah. Nick and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, Santa Claus and all that sort of stuff. Um, apparently, it's it's kind of, no one's really sure. It kind of was initially talked about in uh, sort of 1900s in America and stuff like that. It's thought that the the sort of the closest is based around a French fairy tale in the 17th century called La Bonne Petite Souris, which of course is my uh, expert pronunciation of the, <laughs> the good little mouse. Um, Don't write in. <laughs> yeah, it's a very dark story. Uh, it basically involves good queens, evil queens, evil kings, evil princes. And basically at one point a mouse goes around chewing the ears off a prince and a king Ooh. and then he goes into his mouth and chews his cheeks and his lips and his tongues when very very tooth dark fairy come in? very very dark it turns out the mouse is a tooth fairy as a fairy and uh it it kind of it helps the um the queen, your teeth out <laughs> it helps the queen escape um so she escapes the evil king uh, and basically he hops back between the bed of the evil prince and the evil king, destroying their faces. Did not think so... the tooth fairy had a dark backstory. Yeah, well, I don't like It's interesting because I, I didn't realise this at all, but in most kind of European cultures and sort of Eastern cultures, it is the mouse that leaves that leaves the money under the under the pillow. Oh. The uh, the tooth fairy itself is kind of, it's kind of very US-y, very UK-y, but I don't think there are too many other countries. <laughs> Most Americans are like, ew, mice are gross. Let's make it a fairy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they're both a bit weird. Um, but yeah, so so the first reference, uh, and this is my this is how we segue from magic to money. So the first uh, reference is about 1908, 
uh, in the Chicago Daily Tribune, mm-hmm. uh, which references giving kids uh, money for their teeth. But it's only until the 1950s, uh, so it's relatively late, it's relatively recent, it's only until the 1950s that Tooth Fairy really took off. Ooh. And it's thought, uh, it's down to three main things. Increased prosperity after the Second World War, which yeah, kind of makes Disposable income, right? Mm. More disposable income. The cult of childhood and how we kind of become a little bit more fawning over our children's demands and they kind of, <laughs> right. kind of increasingly taking over the family household, talking from personal experience. <laughs> okay. And and sort of in more interestingly in some respects, kind of like the kind of media encouragement, specifically movies like Cinderella, Peter Pan, all these kind of Disney films that have a little element of magic and fairies and elves and all these kind of stuff. I do kind of picture Tinkerbell mm. when I picture Tink- the two Exactly fairies. right. Yeah, it's Tinkerbell, right? Well, so children know about fairies and it's more kind of ingrained in their life. So it makes more sense to create a character around it. Yeah, okay. exactly right. But but I think the interesting thing is why it's why it happened in the 50s. And according to US anthropologist and folklorist Tad Talaja, uh, he reckons the increased popularity can be traced to the growing adherence to capitalism and the free market. And he basically condenses it down <laughs> All to about the fact capitalism. that everything in this kind of capital market ideal can have a, a value attached to it. And that value right. can always be traced down to cold, hard cash. What, so like back in the 40s, we were just grateful that our teeth had fallen out and that was <laughs> yeah. it. A tooth was good enough. I think so. And now well, we I, need a pound. I'm sure there's like some Scandinavian kind of things where you'd, you'd it, there was a transaction involving teeth, but it was kind of like like for like, rather than uh, ascribing an actual sort of monetary value to Mm. it. Um, So this is, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that this is parents teaching their children the values of money and the values of capitalism. So my question for uh, for Simon is, is the tooth fairy doing a terrible job? (laughs) Because it feels to me that actually we've already talked about how our sort of emotional relationship with money is Mm. not particularly healthy. I mean, there's like a million stats to say in Britain, particularly like debt is skyrocketing. Are we getting better or worse with our money? Come on, Tooth Fairy. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, it's all linked with that teaching children about the value of money and what you can do with money. So if the Tooth Fairy is leaving a child, and we're talking children from the age of about four, five, six onwards, yeah. they're, they're, if they're getting a pound or even two pounds... Now, this, this, this is some money they can do things with. Now, I would presume the Tooth Fairy might leave a note saying, don't go and buy more sweets because that's one of the reasons why. You, you know, so what, what, what is a child of that age going to do with that money? It would make sense to me uh, as a parent to, to say to a child, well, great, you've now got £20 if you've lost 20 teeth. You know, that, that's the, the, the child set. I think it's 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you could use that towards giving yourself a treat or save up to something, you know, and, and parents can encourage that saving thing by offering to, to match whatever the child can save. So that the money's there to, to help a child cope with the, the sort of loss of this tooth, you know. Mm. Uh, well, this bad things happen, this tooth's from that, but the good things happen, the tooth fairy's going to visit, I'm going to get some money, you know. So that, that, that's what I've always thought it's about. But then parents should be thinking about taking that further and using this as a step to, to be start thinking about, what I can do with the money. Uh, and, and they could even say, well, let's put it into a savings account. You know, there are plenty of really nice children's savings mm-hmm. accounts out there. You can start with a pound. So that could be the first tooth. And by the time they've lost the whole set, you know, they've, they've got some <laughs> more money. And then they're encouraging them to do uh, other things to, to, to raise money, that or jobs around the house, helping, helping with the washing up, whatever it is, they can earn more money and give them. And it's not so much about the capitalist thing, to my mind, but about actually giving them some money to 
some independence. You know, so if they want that particular book or game or something else, well, they can have it. They haven't got to wait for their parents to buy it for them. But I think I, I agree. That's I think that's wonderful in principle. But <laughs> I feel like the amount of money that parents seem to me, and I mean, this is purely anecdotal, I guess, are spending on their, their kids is just rocketing. And my experience is that I would say that increasingly children have a warped sense of money and the value of money and they get things presented to them and we're becoming far too complacent and far too just expecting stuff to be bought for us. And we learn that from a really, really early age. But then the problem is if you don't, then all the children's friends are getting the mm. stuff. So mm. you kind of have to, right? Or do you? No, you don't. You don't. I mean, I, I, we went through this with our children, you know, right from an early age. The, the, it was the trainers or the other things that all the other kids in the playground had. And we'd say to us, look, we can't afford to buy you this stuff. You know, look, the, these shoes, you know, if you're seven and you're spending 90 quid on a, on a pair of trainers <laughs> that are, might only last about three months, this is complete madness. You know, so I, I always thought from an early age it was important to teach children, you know, about it, the, the fact that uh, if I did buy a pair of trainers, £90, it took this much time to earn this money. Mm. You know, so I, I've been out all day at work. I come home tired uh, and I still haven't earned enough to, to buy those trainers you want. So they understand that the sort of cause and effect that this money just doesn't grow on trees. You have to earn it somehow. And that earn is, is a hard graft. And, and then the, how you spend the money uh, is a reward. But you, you can't just spend the money on the trainers or the sweets. You know, you've still got to pay for the heating, the lighting and the clothes and the, uh, all the other things, their food, the essentials. Uh, so I, I've always taught my children all those sort of basic things. I think all parents should. So we talked about how we don't share our salaries. Do children tell each other how much the tooth fairy pays them? How much pocket they? money they get? No. I think they. You, I think. I think. I'm thinking back to my, so my son Samuel is eight. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. It's weird. So like, he. So he. We gave him. We started giving him pocket money for mm-hmm. pound because we don't buy him many. Well, don't buy him many things, but mm-hmm. we don't buy him like many little things like mm-hmm. comics and stuff like that. And we thought we'd give him a pound so he can save up and buy himself comics and stuff mm-hmm. uh, or Lego or like if you save for ten weeks, you can buy yourself a nice Lego thing. Um. And we bought him a little, uh, a little yellow, round yellow wallety thing. And he had about 15 or 20 pounds in there at some point. I think he'd had his birthday as well. And he lost it. What? <laughs> and, he, and we were like, oh, so annoying. He just didn't care. Really? Like, not bothered at all. Not like he didn't care. It just didn't really have any meaning for him. And I was like, That's this is really interesting. It was just like, not that bothered, you know. There, there has to be a demonstrable reward something that they're actually working towards yeah. so it's not mm. just like oh you could buy a lego it's like that that particular spaceship or whatever and it costs 50 pounds you know it, it, this is how long it's going to take you to save up for it. It, it you go back to what i said earlier about matching their savings so yeah you could say once you've got half the money we will match it if you can raise that you know so they can see oh it's going to take me eight weeks to to, to save up for the my ideal but gift. I just think eight weeks is too long almost. Because like, <laughs> I think yeah. we did do that. We were doing that with a particular like nice bit of Lego. And he and he just didn't get it. And it was like by then Lost interest. he was into like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, right. I don't I don't get that Lego thing. It's it I I do feel like maybe we expect too much of our children to be able to have that level of long term awareness. I don't know. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. So we're talking about spending money. So the YouGov Omnibus survey that I want to talk about is about the things that we're happy to splash out on and the things where we're maybe a bit more stingy. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask everyone, is there a particular item where you think it's always worth buying the most expensive version? Simon? Booze. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it <laughs> always comes down. It's simply, you know, uh, so I like drinking beer. You go mm-hmm. to a pub, you can have your bog standard cooking lager or bitter, <laughs> and it is not very nice to my yeah. mind. You know, so, so I'm happy to pay. Uh, where I live, a, a pint is roughly about a fiver. So you'll get your, mm-hmm. your, your, your main brands might be 450 if you pay 550 you get something which i find much more enjoyable so i think it's worth paying the extra mm-hmm. for, for something it's the in it's the, the, the cheapest uh doesn't mean the best it's about actually treating yourself rewarding yourself having something that you enjoy absolutely victoria do you have a thing you always splash out on uh i think probably like concert tickets or theater tickets if you're oh, going to okay. go then you want to be in a good seat and you want to really enjoy it i think the other thing that i should spend more money on but don't is like techie stuff so if you need like mm-hmm. a new charger or something don't yeah. buy the 10 pound one that's made in china and is going to break in 10 minutes mm-hmm. like go to the apple store and pay their Hateful bloody economy. fees they exactly yeah. every time i know <laughs> yeah would you uh, splash out on you I, I have two answers, like day-to-day stuff. I think booze as well, actually, mm. um, a little bit. I actually wasn't thinking of that until Simon said that, but we do buy fancy gin. Uh, nice. And I went to a pub a couple of months ago, a new pub near me, and I think it was like, it was, they had a pint on, on sale for like £2.85, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is exciting. <laughs> uh, I can have 10. Uh, and, it, and, it, yeah. and it was awful. Uh, and yeah. All three of us, I, I, one, only one of us had two pints. And in the morning, we all had horrible hangovers. Ooh, and, and it was just a horrible, horrible beer. And then we went back actually a couple of weeks ago uh, and had some bottles of beer, even though more expensive. But I was like, I don't really want to wake up with a hangover because it's mm. just going to cloud my entire evening. However, in terms of fancy purchases, I think the thing I've, I was persuaded, I, the false economy thing, the, the, it was actually my father-in-law persuaded me not to get suckered into that was on a mattress. And I think we... About 10 years ago, I think, or eight or 10 years ago, we bought our mattress for about 800 quid, I think. Mm-hmm. And that felt like a lot, like a lot of money. Yeah. But it's still going. <laughs> I think I think that's the, the, the key thing. The, the longer term things, like a mattress, you know, you hope you're going to have it for, you know, several years. So, mm. you know, you don't mind spending a lot of money on it. But on some of the short term things, uh, particularly with fashion, you know, it's it's if if you if you like fashionable clothes, for instance, mm. then why not just go to Primark, buy the the, mm. the cheaper things there? Because you know, after this season, you're not going to be wearing them. You know, so th- 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 there's a lot of different things to think about. I, I with shoes, I always spend as much money as I can afford because I want them to last. I want them to mm-hmm. to do the job. You know, and you buy you buy cheap shoes and they fall apart very quickly. <laughs> uh, going back yeah. to booze, the, the one that I always find interesting is champagne. 
Yes. You know, because that is a complete con. It's a complete <laughs> waste of money. You know, if, you, if you want a bottle of champagne, yes. it's going to cost you about 30 quid or so. Now, you can get a bottle of Prosecco, which I've done taste tests. Mm-hmm. Most people prefer a bottle of Prosecco for around 10 or 12 quid. So if you want some sparkling <laughs> white wine, buy the Prosecco. But mm-hmm. when it comes to your birthday or a wedding or, or some big occasion... Mm. Prosecco just doesn't cut it. It doesn't, does it's it? It's so weird. Have, you know, so this weird. is champagne. Now, we've all been fooled by that, but it does make you feel better. It gives you a feeling of self-worth. It gives you that thing of, I've rewarded myself. I've pointlessly spent more money on your birthday. It's basically, <laughs> it's basically I value our friendship so much. I've, <laughs> I've wasted, wasted money on cash. you. Well, Stu, you are in line with the British public. Yes. So <laughs> products that Brits are happy to pay top, top dollar for are mattresses and sausages. Ooh, sausages. Sausages, yeah. So the way this poll worked, uh, it gave people a list of 25 products and asked whether they'd buy the cheapest version, the mid-price version or the the top-of-the-range version. And in almost every case, people chose mid-range and sausages and mattresses were the only two products on the list where uh, people chose the the top-of-the-range with things like household items, cleaning products, that sort of thing. Everyone went mid-range. And one of the only things where people bought the cheapest available was baked beans. I, I think I'm it's on board weird. With that. No, I'm on Hines, board with that. Hines, always. I no, always no, buy no, branded no. beans. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sucked in by the advertising. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally beans means Heinz, right? It's yes. Like, <laughs> that is in our heads forever and a day. Mm. What, so sausages, I'm, I love sausages. Um, the sausages, <laughs> I think, is, is crucial because, you know, you buy the cheap sausages, you can get a pack for a pound and yeah. largely tastes of cardboard. It's yeah. not a nice experience. <laughs> well, you spend near three pounds, you get the 92% meat, you know, it's meaty and mm. tasty and stuff. You can act, you can taste the difference. Uh, you can feel the difference of quality and, and it's the pleasure. You know, eating should be a pleasure if we can afford it, mm. you know, and, and buying decent sausages is, is it just seems to make sense. So I'm... I'm cynical about ninety. The idea of sausages having 90, any sausage having ninety two percent meat because I'm also just immediately like, what's the eight percent? Yeah, yeah. well, there's that. But also, I'm, I think people are so uh, shoppers are a bit more savvy about this kind of oh, the farm on the packaging marketing. Look at these happy, <laughs> happy chickens. Look at this happy farmer with his happy farmer wife. Look at them all. Mm. And I just I, I don't think people believe it. And I think I think one of the reasons people buy low-end stuff or lower-end mm. stuff is just because they think um, there probably isn't any difference. And I think, I think sausages you can tell definitely, but I think the difference between mid-range and top-end sausages is probably small. And I, mm. the, the main difference is like rubbish sausages are clearly rubbish sausages. Well, you spoke about the 90% meat statistics mm. thing. According to the UK law, a sausage, a sausage only needs to be 32% meat. Oh boy. And if it's oh. specifically labelled as a pork sausage, it has to be 42% meat. So what else is in there? Like we, we... I honestly wouldn't like to guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Awful. Yeah, Cereal stuff. Sort of grains, stuff to fill it out. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Um, but we, we're talking about mattresses, um, people buying the mid-range and the most expensive range. So I wondered what that kind of entails. What is the cheapest and what's the most expensive? So I went on to John Lewis, sort of reliable Solid. household household shopping place. And the cheapest mattress, which was a single, was £49. The most expensive mattress was £18,000. £18,000. What are you getting for your £18,000? I'm so curious as to how many of those they even sell per year as well. I have no idea. We should ask them. Mm. 
So yeah, Simon, when, when there's this huge price range, how on earth do you know what's good value? The good value is down to personal taste, largely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, a mixture of what you can actually afford. So I think we've all agreed that, you know, we want to get the best mattress we can. I think spending 18 grand on a mattress <laughs> is uh, probably beyond, uh, you know, far beyond what you need to spend. But, you you know, you, we still go into mattress shops, into bedding shops, and lay down on these things, don't mm-hmm. we, to see whether they, they feel comfortable. Uh, and, you know... You can talk to friends. I always like friends' recommendations, you know, uh, and seeing what they've got because something like a mattress you are going to have for years. Um, it will be a huge false economy if you spend years of sleepless nights. True. Um, but, but you know, you, uh, you, you we have different backs, we have different postures, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to test for yourself. I think with so many different kinds of products, it, it's your, your your comfortable level. Now, uh, I'm quite happy with going back to the beans. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather buy four beans for 50p, four cans of beans for 50p, because, you know, I know actually the taste isn't that much difference, you know. But uh, other things like coffee, for instance, I have to have nice coffee. Me too. Um, you know, and, and it's it's down to individual... You know, the good value doesn't mean the budget price. There, there are things like, it is convenience. You know, so for instance, we know that the little local supermarket stores that we have in the neighbourhood mm. charge more than the big ones. Mm. But we're paying for that convenience. So actually, the value is pretty good. Even though I might be paying more for the can of beans, it, it, it's, it's decent value because I haven't had to trek, you know, uh, uh, miles away to get it. And, and it's it, those kind of things you have to think about. How long, how much reward, how happy am I going to be with this? Yeah. You know, it's not just the price. Isn't it interesting how much more comfortable we are talking about spending money than earning it? Mm. Yeah. Definitely. When you said friends' recommendations, I was thinking that. I was like, nobody would shy away from asking a friend if they were buying a mattress. How much did I you I feel spend? like, yeah, you could say, yeah, how much how did you spend on yours and where did Definitely. you get it? And are you happy with that? Why is that fine? We can't talk about earning. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Because if you ask that question of a, a friend who you suspect earns quite a lot. Exactly. That might be a little insight into how much they <laughs> yeah, earn, yeah, but that, yeah. you wouldn't ask that. But if they're spending uh, 18,000 pounds on a mattress, presumably they have quite so, a good uh, salary. Uh, <laughs> are we going to be t- taboo breaking here and reveal everyone's salaries? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what I, I thought you, what you were saying there was interesting as well, Simon, because... When you were saying it's it's more than just a value and it's the convenience and stuff you're paying for. When I like when we're going somewhere to like parents' houses or stuff and you have to go out and buy flowers, for example, I used the conversation I used to have with my wife would be, Oh, go to the M and S around the corner because they're cheap around there. And I'm like, but that involves me getting in my car, <laughs> spending mm. petrol, spending time doing that. But then I'm I'm thinking, I'm realizing I'm ascribing a monetary value. To those basic things, well, look, which is exactly what we talked about with tooth fairies. There's, there's an opportunity <laughs> cost to everything you do. You know, so how much time, how, how do you value your own time? Well, largely you can work out based on what you earn. And therefore, I could be earning, you know, let's say I could be earning £10 in the time it takes me to, to get my car out and drive down here, go to the shop and do all this kind of stuff, rather than just getting it from the corner shop and paying a bit more. You know, so you're, you're saving money straight away on that basis. I have another fun fact. Mm. Do you know how much money the 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 business person who gets paid the most amount of money, Britain's best paid boss, guess how much she earns per hour? Not just working hour. This is every hour of every day of every week of every I, year. I wrote about this yesterday, so I know. The figure. <laughs> have a guess. Oh God, I'm not going to. Eight hundred. Eight hundred pounds. That's. 
And that's an <laughs> amount of money, Matilda. Yes, I, I read this story as well, so oh. I know the answer. And I know that Victoria is completely wrong. Oh. £30,000 an hour she earns every hour of every day. Yes, wasn't it £93,000? Oh, my God. I think you, maybe you're doing it per working, per working hour. hour. Per working hour. Yeah. So you're talking about even when she's even sleeping, when she's sleeping and taking comfort. She's still she's caning still thirty grand an hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> but she's paying, what, like 17000 tax on that. So, you know. True. She's paying her hospital So fair play to her. That's crazy. Oh, wow. So what do you think we've learned that Britain is a nation of this week? Oh, we are like proper money phobes. Like we are all <laughs> over the place with money. Our relationship with money is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you think we're dishonest about money or just closed, closed off about talking about it? I think it's a mixture of both. You know, uh, I know from experience and from talking to lots of people who get into debt, they never like to admit it. They don't like mm. to tell their friends or family about it, and they especially don't like to tell themselves. And they'll say, oh, everything's all right. By the same token, people who earn loads of money won't admit it when they waste 18 grand on a, on, on a, <laughs> on a mattress or, or, or flowers. You know, they, 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 uh. so it's the, the relationship... To have a relationship with money, you have to actually think about it and work on it uh, and, and actually get into some habits. Once you have this, it's like, like any kind of relationship. You know, if, if you don't do any work on it, it won't work well. So we're a nation of people who are bad with money. I like the word money phobes. Money Mattress phobes. loving money phobes. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy sausage eating money phobes. <laughs> wow, that's depressing. <laughs> Thanks for making it all the way to the end of Britain is a nation of... How can they get in touch, Matilda? You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo News UK, or you can find us on Facebook under Yahoo UK and Ireland, or email us on Yahoo News UK at oath.com. And join us again for another deep dive into very British behaviours. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.